The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician Radio Program, where we talk about money, we talk about politics, we talk about markets, and Politics and markets and money, they're all flying all over the place uh, these last couple of weeks with all the problems that we're experiencing with uh, Obamacare. Uh, currently, the government is partially shut down, and uh, one has everything to do with the other. And, of course, Obamacare uh, will certainly have an effect uh, on our personal finances. So let's talk about where we are uh, right now. Right now, as we speak, Wednesday uh, October 2nd, uh, the U.S. government is shut down, first time since, I believe, what was it, 1995 um, was the last time we had a government shutdown. And it was totally avoidable, but the politicians in Washington are, are as divided and partisan as they've, they've ever been. And, and I've been a political animal for a long, long time. Uh, I'm 53 years old. Uh, when I was, I guess, uh, I think I was eight years old, uh, I remember watching uh, Nixon win the presidency. Uh, I stayed up to watch it, to watch the election returns uh, with my mother and father. Now, I was kind of a strange child because uh, my father was a union worker and, uh, and my parents were Democrats. But I was a conservative Republican at eight years old. Uh, why was I a conservative Republican? You know, that's a good question. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how I developed uh, my conservative lean, but it was with me very, very early. Uh, and if you if you remember the show uh, from way back when, Family Ties, with Michael J. Fox in it, he was Michael J. Keaton um, uh, on the show. He, he went to school with a with a, a briefcase. That was me. I was that type of a kid uh, when I was eight. 10, 12 years old. So uh, I've been following politics for a very, very long time. I think I watched every single hour uh, of the Watergate hearings back in 1974. Uh, I've just been drawn to politics my entire life and, uh, and have been a staunch uh, conservative. Uh, and, uh, and I don't apologize for that. But I never have seen uh, the environment in Washington as toxic uh, as it is right now. Let's take the health care law. I mean, uh, that was shoved down our throat. Not one Republican in the Senate or the House voted for it. 
And if it wasn't for uh, bribing uh, some very key Democratic senators, uh, um, it wouldn't have gone through at all. So, you know, this was pushed down by one side, the left in this country, pushed Obamacare on us, and of course the president championed it, uh, and not one Republican voted for it. And since then, the Republicans have been doing everything they can to defund it, to repeal it. I think there's been something like 40 different repeal votes in the House uh, that haven't been able to get anywhere in the Senate, uh, so they were, they were mainly uh, just for show. And now we have this uh, continuing resolution. Continuing resolution uh, is supposed to be a budget, uh, but the Senate hasn't passed a budget in five years. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. Each and every year, the, the Senate is supposed to put together a budget, and the budget's supposed to be voted on. The entire government budget haven't done it in five years. Why? That's a debate for another time. So what they've been doing is they've been passing these what they call continuing resolutions to continue to fund the government without actually a budget. And if there is a budget, then things can be cut here and there. And then, So they just keep everything the same. Sometimes they'll change the rate of growth of certain programs and so forth. But uh, for all intents and purposes, the continuing resolution funds the government. That starts October 1st. That's the fiscal year for the United States government, and, and, and that's the way they've been doing it. Now the Republicans have been using this opportunity to try to get some kind of um, uh, consideration on Obamacare, which is turning out to be uh, the biggest train wreck of all train wrecks of entitlement programs. And it's obvious from what we've seen just in the last two days uh, as these exchanges have opened up and basically crashed the system. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into more detail about what these exchanges are uh, and what they mean to most people. But right now, it's not working. And, and, and the bottom line is it's just not ready. I mean, to overhaul the entire healthcare system, one-sixth of the U.S. economy, uh, and to do it and have it ready uh, within three years, it was a virtual impossibility. And given the fact that there's uh, 3,000 pages in this legislation and something like about 30,000 pages of, uh, of rules – and regulations that have been added to it. I mean, it's virtually impossible for anybody to know how to comply with Obamacare. So what the Republicans, uh, at least the conservative Republicans, the Tea Party Republicans in the House want, is they wanted to just have a delay in Obamacare one year, and it would fund the government. Now, that makes sense. I mean, the, the president unilaterally decided to uh, give uh, corporations a one-year delay in implementing the employer mandate where they have to have health insurance for uh, anybody that works more than 30 hours in their company if they have 50 employees or more. Well, they gave them a, a pass on that. Now, does the president have the constitutional right to unilaterally decide what legislation passed by Congress and signed into law he can implement and when he can implement it? I would say no, he doesn't have the power to do it. But that hasn't stopped this president before in instituting imperialistic, uh, dictatorial-type uh, governance. Um, so he decided that, well, even though the law stated that uh, the employer mandate goes into effect January 1st, 2014, he said that the law that Congress passed, he's going to adjust to push back the employer mandate for one year. And why the Republicans haven't taken this to court uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court? Uh, where does the President of the United States have the right to adjust and decide what parts of a law uh, dutifully passed by Congress uh, go into effect? 
Uh, many uh, will argue that he has no power to do that. And I think now there is some, um, I just heard today that there is some lawsuits out there uh, challenging this. So the um, the corporations get off the hook, but the individual mandate where individuals are required to have health insurance uh, by January 1st, uh, 2014, uh, that is still in place. And that's what the Republicans in the House wanted delayed. Now, I don't think that's asking too much, given the fact that the president unilaterally decided to give uh, corporate America that delay. But what it comes down to is not the delay at all. It comes down to power. And uh, this president and his party all right, will do nothing that the Republicans want. Nothing. And you see it even in uh, all these scandals with the IRS and Benghazi. Uh, the Democrats on all these committees – Back to president 100%, no matter how bad the scandal is. They drag their feet. They don't bring forth documents or witnesses. Whatever it is, fast and furious, the IRS. And I've even forgotten half of them. There's been so many scandals. But they drag their feet, and the Democrats in Congress back them 100%, regardless of whether it's right or wrong. So you have two parties that are just basically uh, dug in. And there's no negotiation. Uh, there's no compromise. And here we are uh, where we have the government shut down the first time in 16, 17 years. Uh, and the rest of the country and the rest of the world looks at our government and shakes their head and says, this is totally dysfun- dysfunctional. It may bring down the country overall. And I think people are just fed up with it. I know everybody that I talk to fed up with it. Both of them. It's not just the Republicans. It's not just the Democrats. Both of them. They're, they're, they're elitists. It's them and then it's us. And so many of these senators are, have been senators for decades. Once these guys get in, it's almost impossible to get them out because of all the money they're able to uh, raise for elections because they're giving goodies to the, um, their special interests. And I know I'm fed up with it and, and, and embarrassed about my government. So here we are, day two. It doesn't look like we're any closer uh, to this being fixed in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and the only way it is going to be fixed is the Republicans are going to lay down and lose. And at the end of the day, they're the ones who are getting blamed for it. And they're the ones who will succumb. And then we have the debt ceiling issue. Just a couple of weeks from now, which is a whole nother crisis. I think the Republicans would have been better off funding the continuing resolution without controversy and then leaving everything else to the debt ceiling discussion because now we have two issues to deal with. Now, hopefully, uh, and if not, you know, we're going to see markets crash in here. Hopefully, within the next few days, there is some settlement of this continuing resolution and, and the government could start running again and then we gear up for the debt ceiling debate and then maybe that's where uh, you bring the Obamacare issue into it. But again, this president does not want to negotiate with anybody on the opposite party. He wants to banish them is what he wants to do. He doesn't want to work with them. Uh, he wants to banish them. And as many have uh, been reporting, I mean, he'll, he'll negotiate with Iran. 
right? He'll negotiate with terrorists who won't negotiate with the Republican Party because as far as he's concerned, they're just something in his way. Congress is just you know, a, a thorn in his side uh, that puts the brakes on his move towards total socialism in the country. So that's where we are as far as, as, as the Obamacare situation goes. And there's other things here that the Republicans would want. I mean, we need to, to trim spending in this country. And the reason why I've been so negative on the markets and the future of our country is I know that that's never going to happen. Because politicians never cut spending, period. And you may say the sequesta came through and whatnot. Uh, that was a drop in the bucket. But any meaningful cuts in spending where we don't have to borrow money, trillions of dollars a year, to fund our spending, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And we see it here. There's no political will to do it. Either on the Democratic side and the Republican side, at least in the mainstream establishment Republican side. Maybe the Tea Partiers are willing to do that, but we're not going to see it then. So you're going to see more of this. Uh, this, this problem's not going away. We've got the debt ceiling issue now and two weeks from now, which is going to be another big thing, and the markets are starting to react to it. And that's what we're going to start talking about on the other side of the break. If you want to be part of the program, 866-472-5790 is the call number. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's business channel. Don't go away. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right, just remember the website, uh, the Financial Physician. 
com where we have my my daily blog and um, we have uh, archives of this radio program we got all kinds of good stuff uh, on the financialphysician.com you're going to read stuff there and, and see videos there that you're not going to see on the mainstream media I guarantee you that uh, also I love your emails Lou at the financialphysician.com I, I, I try to answer each and every email just give me a couple of days uh, and I'll do my best to uh, to answer an email if you have a, a financial question I am a practicing certified financial planner and tax accountant so if you have any uh, specific questions regarding your portfolio if you're looking for some advice or if you're looking for a financial advisor uh, I'm certainly um, uh, taking on new clients and we could talk about uh, how that works as well that's Lou at the financial physician uh, dot com and, and and I got a, a tremendous amount of emails this week from our listeners uh, regarding my um, my health situation and uh, you know I was out a couple of weeks because I for those who don't know, I, 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 I ruptured both arms, uh, bicep tendons. Uh, I slipped going on a boat, and as I grabbed on to hold on, uh, I snapped at both my tendons, fell in the water, had to pull myself out, a whole story. And uh, after three weeks of dealing with uh, health insurance companies, trying to get approvals for MRIs and procedures and so forth, uh, almost a month after I got hurt, I finally had surgery, and that was two weeks ago today. Uh, at this very moment, actually, uh, I had both uh, tendons uh, reattached uh, surgically. So I've been pretty much um, incapacitated for the last month, five weeks. And for those of you watching on the on the camera, if you, if you go to the website, I, the first half of this radio show, I have a camera on and you know you can see me. And for those who are looking at the camera, you can see I have these two RoboCop kind of uh, braces on my arms. And what these things do is it prevents me from opening my arms because my arms aren't ready for that. So I'm going through all kinds of uh, uh, just got my staples taken out. And I'm going through very minor exercises to try to get movement back in my arms. And uh, it'll take fully six months before I'll be back to normal. Uh, but I haven't been in my office uh, uh, for the last three or four weeks because – my wife is my nurse. <laughs> my wife does everything for me, and I mean everything because think about having no arms. I mean, there's a lot of things you can't do with no arms, uh, and you can use your imagination. I can't even feed myself. I can't, uh, uh, I can't do anything on uh, either the front of my mouth or the bottom. So, so I have all kinds of issues going on um, with uh, um, uh, my health, and uh, I just heard. Uh, on my landscapers outside deciding to cut our lawn uh, right in the middle of my radio show. That's a great thing. So if you hear some noise in the background, uh, that's what it is. Uh, they have to pick Wednesday afternoon uh, to come and, and do our things. But anyway, I'm, I'm recovering very well. I'm getting better every day. I'm getting more movement in my arms. I'm finally able to go on the computer and actually do a little typing. Uh, I'm pretty close to feeding myself and um, handling bathroom duty. So uh, I am healing, and I appreciate all the emails uh, from all our listeners uh, um, concerned about how I'm doing, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm doing real well. It's just a slow thing, and it's one of those things that uh, just is going to take time. Now, before the break, we were talking about uh, the sad state of affairs here in the United States where we have a, a dysfunctional government in Washington, uh, a government that does not care what the people think, a government that has one party that uh, is totally dictatorial from the president and the Senate, which basically get nothing done. Uh, uh, the Senate hasn't passed a budget in five years. Uh, the um, Senate would not vote 
uh, for delaying Obamacare one year, even though many people in their own party call it a train wreck. Uh, and uh, it, it's it, it's just a sad state of affairs. And, you know, most people did not think that we would come to a government shutdown. Why? Because a government shutdown really serves nobody. I mean, uh, you know, there's what? Memor- uh, you got monuments closed. You got memorials closed. You heard a story about these World War II veterans who uh, uh, were prevented at first from going into the World War II uh, memorial, uh, but pulled away barricades and went in it anyway, 200 of them with their wheelchairs and everything, and the, the park police allowed it to happen. And now, 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 the weird thing about this is the World War II memorial is an outdoor open-air memorial. I've been there. It doesn't have to be open or closed I mean, there's no reason to put barricades around it. Now, I believe this is being done just to inflict as much pain on the American people as possible and blame the Republicans on it. But there is no reason. It's actually cost money to put those barricades around that pretty massive open-air memorial and have park police guard it and keep people out of it. And meanwhile, you just walk through it. I mean, it's right by the reflecting pool between the Lincoln Monument and the Washington Monument. It's like if they put uh, – I'm surprised they didn't put a black uh, covering over the Washington Monument so you couldn't see it. I mean it's the same equivalent to do that. Now, there's some more veterans that are coming uh, uh, tomorrow, Friday. Uh, I mean tomorrow, Thursday, I believe, or Friday. I'm not sure what the date is. Uh, and now there's talk that they'll be arrested if they try to go in there. I mean that's where we are right now. And, uh, and it's a sad thing. That we're at this state. And again, it serves nobody. The Republicans are getting hammered by the mainstream media as the reason why this happened. It's not the fact that they, uh, the Democratic-controlled Senate would not approve uh, the continuing resolution. It's always the Republicans' fault because they want to legislate something that they think is necessary in this country. And that's the delay of Obamacare for one year, which makes a whole lot of sense to me given the fact that it's – uh, for use of a better word, an abortion right now and a train wreck. Yesterday, um, the exchanges opened up and virtually every state's exchange computer service failed. Now, of course, the mainstream media and administration is saying, see, see, that means that there is a real big demand out there for health insurance. That's why, you know, the servers went down. Well, you're trying to tell me if you have three years that you wouldn't be prepared, especially on day one, for an influx of people researching it, trying to find out what it would cost them, what the subsidies would be. But virtually, you know, the whole system crashed. And uh, I haven't heard much anecdotes about what's happening today yet uh, and how that's going. But um, uh, uh, there's going to be problems implementing this. We know that. And again, this is just the individual mandate. Now, the problem with delaying the employer mandate, but not the um, the individual mandate, is that many people were going to be covered by their employers and made plans uh, based on that. Well, now that the uh, employer mandate no longer is in effect for at least a year, but the individual mandate is, people who are going to go on their employer's insurance now have to go out and spend money for their own insurance or get fined. And some think that's exactly what the plan was. The more people that get into these healthcare exchanges, 
which ultimately is going to be a single-payer source because most insurance companies are, are bailing out of this and will probably, once they experience incredible costs associated with covering the claims from people who join uh, these exchanges. And these exchanges are made for individuals uh, that don't have insurance at their companies, mainly lower-income people, part-time people. And that's another thing, too. Many, many companies are cutting people back from full-time to part-time or from 35 hours, if they were not really full full-time, to 28 or 29, so they're under the 30-hour rule. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's what businesses were going to do. If they were going to be mandated to cover people who have more than 30 hours, they're going to cut as many people back under 30 hours as possible. Duh. I mean, and of course the government knows that. So now these poor people, not only are they making less income because they've been cut back, now they have to go out and purchase insurance on top of it. It's a, it's a, it's a double whammy. Now, this administration likes to have fun with the truth. You know, you watch John Carney, uh, uh, Jay Carney, the, the presidential spokesman. Although President Obama does it himself. He lies through his teeth. Uh, but to have, watch this guy lie right to your face when he knows it's a lie. I mean, it's breathtaking. Everybody in the room knows that when he's telling that he's telling a lie, but they don't care because all they care about is when the news runs what he says, the low information voters out there, which is roughly more than half the people out there, right, will believe it, even though we know it's a lie. And the president himself, you want to keep your own doctor, you can. It's a lie. You want to keep your own health insurance? It's a lie. IBM moved retirees off the health plan. Oh, you can't. I thought you can keep your health insurance. No, you can't. And many more companies are doing that. And, and they just lie to our face. Insurance premiums are going to go down. My company's policy, my group plan for me and my employees have gone up almost 50% the last two years. And I'm sure it's going to go up big time next year and the year after that. And they call this, and it's amazing how Washington does this, what they name legislation. The Affordable Care Act. When you see premiums are doubling for people or quadrupling sometimes in some places, and they call it the Affordable Care Act. Well, let's talk about these exchanges. Where can you get there? Well, it's basic plans, all right, for people who have to have this mandate. It's basic plans. There's four levels of coverage. There's the bronze plan, the silver plan, the gold, and the platinum plan. Now, the bronze plan is the cheapest, of course, and it's the least generous. And it's designed to cover about 60% of medical costs, and it carries higher deductibles. So, I mean, it's you're paying for insurance that you're going to be paying at least half of your medical costs when you take deductibles into consideration in most cases. So, not great health insurance. And you go up to the top plan, platinum plans, that's the most expensive. They cover about 90% of the costs. But, of course, they're going to charge higher monthly premiums. Now, the thing that I don't understand, and this is this has always bogged my mind, why does each state have different exchanges? Why don't we have a nationwide exchange? Where everybody, no matter what state you live in, has the opportunity to buy the same coverage at the same price. Because it varies wildly. It really varies wildly. And the average is about $329 a month for a person that's 40-something years old. Right? Now, so what you do is you decide which plan you want to get. 
And uh, supposedly when you go on these websites, when they finally do work, uh, you'll see what it'll cost you. And then depending on how much income you make, four times the, the, the top is four times the poverty rate, you get subsidies. The government pays part of it. And that's what this is all about is to get people into insurance where the government's underwriting a good portion of it. Those people are going to like it. So if you're going to pay $30 a month, uh, $300 a month, but the government's going to give you 150 or 200 and pay for it, and you're only costing you 100 well, that sounds pretty good to you. And that's what this is all about in its most simplistic form. Because most people, if they work for a big company, they work full-time, they will have health insurance. And they won't be going to these exchanges. But watch, more and more people are going to be taken off their employer plan, brought down to 30 years, 30 hours, and forced on the exchange. All right, it's time for another break. 866-472-5790 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatekna, and you're listening to The Financial Position. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, this is uh, Internet Radio and uh, something new for me. I mean, um, 
for 14 years I've been on terrestrial radio and also satellite radio. I was on XM for four years and uh, locally here on WOBM AM 1160 New Jersey for 12 years. So I'm, I'm used to doing live radio, uh, uh, terrestrial radio, where I get a lot of phone calls. Uh, and the whole idea of my program is really to help people and guide them through the crazy financial markets that we live in and give them some financial planning, some tax advice. And this is, uh, you know, recorded. It's live. If you go on the Internet, it's live. You could uh, listen to us live right at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. on the West Coast on Wednesdays. And, and, and we get a number of people who do listen live. But most people listen to this show uh, later on because it's archived. You can listen to it. Uh, at your leisure, and at four o'clock in the afternoon, people are going home from work uh, on the, on the East Coast. They're at work on the West Coast, so we don't get a lot of live um, uh, listeners to the program. But I do get thousands who listen to it uh, after the fact. Uh, I would say the ratio was probably uh, thirty people listen to it after it's recorded uh, to everyone that listens to it live. So we don't get a lot of callers on a show because people can't call in after a show has been recorded. But I do like to help people and answer their questions and give them advice. So my recommendation to you is if you're listening to this program after it's been recorded and you have a question yet you'd like me to deal with on the program, it has to be specific. Uh, you don't have to give your name. Just a question regarding a specific financial issue, whether it's taxes, investments, uh, estate planning, anything that affects your financial life, email it to me. And I'll deal with that, and I'll read the question, and I'll give your initials and where you're from, uh, and basically answer that question here on the program. Because I, 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 I love my radio career, and it, like I said, it's been 15 years now I've been doing it, and I loved it because of the interaction I had with my listeners. And it's, uh, I've been doing um, Voice America here since May, and it's, been, it's taken me a while to get used to it. Now, the one good thing is that instead of talking to callers, I'm giving you a lot of information. I mean, you know, if I don't have any callers, I've got an hour to sit here with this mic uh, and talk to you, and I can get a lot of information out to you. Now, I have to work four or five times as hard in my show prep because I have to talk uh, for an hour. But you know me, I can talk for an hour uh, pretty easily, and I have no problem doing it. But I really would like to help people that have questions about what's going on in the financial world, what's going on in markets. And if you want to email me a question, I'd be happy to deal with those email questions uh, on the air. Now, before the break, we were talking about this disaster, that's Obamacare, which has led to this government shutdown. And it's all about Obamacare. If it wasn't Obamacare, it would be about the you know spending and, and, and the country's debt and that kind of thing. And that's going to be the next thing on our plate when we talk about the debt ceiling, which um, needs to be re- uh, increased uh, by October 17th. Now, the debt in this country has been stuck at $25 million below uh, the debt limit uh, since May. Now, we know we've had deficits every single month since then. So what's been going on? Well, the Treasury has been doing extraordinary accounting maneuvers uh, to fund the government without actually stating that they've gone further into debt. They've raided uh, the government employees' pension system and taken money out of that and used that for um, um, funding the government. But they are going further and further in debt, however you want to define debt, because as soon as the, uh, the debt ceiling is raised – they're going to hit it for about $500 billion immediately to pay back the money they borrowed from other entities within government. Uh, 
So it's disingenuous at best uh, that the debt ceiling hasn't been exceeded already, uh, but that will be dealt with um, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But back to Obamacare and these exchanges. You know, they opened up yesterday, and of course the Obama-loving media was um, echoing the, the White House talking points that uh, that the glitches on opening day – uh, are due to a flood of interested Americans who are clamoring for government insurance, and uh, and that's why you know they're having all these problems. Well, according to a congressman from Connecticut, Congressman uh, Jim Himes, who's a Democrat, uh, out of twenty eight thousand visitors to a state um, his state's exchange Tuesday, only one hundred and sixty seven actually signed up for insurance. And for those who can't do math, uh, that's six tenths of one percent. Are people who actually signed up for the insurance uh, that visited the website at that exchange? Now, understandably, a lot of people are just trying to get information at this point and so forth, but still, less than 1%, that's pretty abysmal. And if that's what uh, the president and uh, his uh, minions in the press believe is a success, uh, I-, I like to see what failure is. The New York Times reported Wednesday that about 2.8 million people visited the federal exchange at healthcare.gov, and that crashed as well. And if Connecticut's uh, percentages hold true nationally, then um, only about a whopping 16,800 people uh, actually applied for insurance uh, when the exchanges opened on Tuesday. Why is that important? Because they need about 7 million people to sign up at these exchanges to fund them. Otherwise, these exchanges are going to lose tons of money. And that's probably what it's designed to do anyway. And, and take into consideration what I said earlier about corporate America making everybody part-time. Not everybody, but a good many companies are cutting back their people to under 30 hours just to avoid the employer mandate. Now, you say the employer mandate doesn't come in until 2015 because of the one-year delay. Well, it's going to be based on how many employees you have in the second half of 2014. So, uh, you know, they're making those cuts now. We've heard Walmart. It's just hiring temporary workers at this point. 10% of their workforce are temporary workers. Even during the holidays, it's only 2 or 3%. So uh, that's the way they're dealing with it. We just said before, IBM, other companies, Regal Entertainment, the, the largest cinema uh, company, sent out a memo to employees that they're cutting back uh, to the 30-hour threshold. And they say to c- comply with the Affordable Care Act. They announced it's because of Obamacare. New England Motor Freight, a New Jersey-based trucking company, uh, implemented in June an hourly cap for about 400 part-time employees, saying that the company can't afford to offer them health insurance. All right, we can't give you health insurance. And many people say, okay, I'll get my health insurance on on my own, but don't cut me back. But they're cutting them back because they'd be mandated to give them the health insurance. This thing is a disaster. It's insidious. Uh, we still don't know the regulation. We know the broad brush stuff that we're talking about now, but we don't really know what this really means in the long run. Remember, uh, Nancy Pelosi said we had a vote for it uh, to see what's in it. And with 3,000 pages of legislation and 30,000 pages of regulations, I mean, how will anybody know what's in it? And uh, many U.S. towns and municipalities and counties uh, they've joined in and cut part-time uh, people to part-time as well because they're, you know, they have a very restricted budget, you know, based on taxes. Uh, universities, there's over 300 universities and college systems that are doing the same thing with some of their faculty. 
And uh, obviously, I mean, this is obviously what was going to happen the minute that this thing came on, that people, they were going to cut him back. Now, there's some more tragic stories, too, out there. Uh, and you're going to read more and more about Obamacare uh, causing people not only to to lose income because their jobs are cut to part-time, but to lose their lives. And that may be because of, uh, of lack of approval for certain procedures. Uh, but listen to this uh, letter that this woman sent to uh, uh, an email that was set up uh, in Congress. It's called Obamacare at mail.house.gov. And this is the, the House's uh, email thing that they set up for people to comment on Obamacare. Now, it's a little lengthy, and um, if I can jump over some things, I will. But I think it's, it, it's interesting that you hear this. Dear Congress, I hope you defund and kill Obamacare. Obamacare killed my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, Dr. Philip Henderson III of Longview, Washington, was a fourth-generation doctor in uh, this medium-sized logging town in Cowlitz County in southwest Washington, uh, southwest Washington State. He was responsible for bringing 6,000 babies into this world. He started programs to help poor women receive prenatal care, helped out at a free clinic he helped start, gave thousands of hours, uh, uh, totaling five years of his own unpaid time, to cover OBGYN emergencies at the local hospital, and he volunteered for 10 years at both local high schools to give teens, quote-unquote, the talk. He lobbied senators and congressional reps in Washington, D.C. in an attempt to slow the debilitating effects of Obamacare on women's health care in Washington state. He was a community treasure, loved, respected, and she has links to stories about him that you could see. In the past several months, Obamacare, quote-unquote, winner and, quote-unquote, survivor, Kaiser, ended its contract with Dr. Henderson's four-partner OB-GYN clinic, Lower Columbia Women's Clinic, and decided to take over the thousands of patients this local practice had built up over the decades. This move was designed to consolidate care necessitated by the constraints of Obamacare, and this meant that many patients would now have to travel 40 minutes south for care. Uh, my brother-in-law's practice would lose their patients. More important, their patients would not be able to keep their doctor, a promise made by the president about Obamacare. Stay with me. During these difficult negotiations, two of the partners decided to leave to seek greener pastures. They knew it would collapse the clinic, but undaunted, Dr. Henderson and his remaining partner turned to local hospitals they served to get a temporary financial lifeline until they could hire replacements and get the clinic whole again. The hospital said no. Obamacare was putting the hospital in a squeeze, and they couldn't afford to help the doctors who had given thousands of hours to free care to the hospital and city's patients. Under Obamacare, you see, only the large survive, or the people who can exempt themselves, like Congress, or friends of people writing the bill who gave their friends waivers, such as unions and big corporations. When local hospitals turned down the financial lifeline, Dr. Henderson began searching for jobs for his co-workers. He made phone calls on their behalf and helped their job hunting efforts. But the clinic his great-grandfather had started generations before would die. Finally, when Dr. Henderson began looking for a position for himself, he was turned down. Under his proposal to Kaiser, for instance, Henderson could still see his and Kaiser's patients without them having to travel to get care. When he got the call turning him down, he emerged from his office shaking his head and said in a tone voice his nurse had never heard before, they don't want me. Nobody wants a 63-year-old doctor. Some of Dr. Henderson's patients and some of the children he's brought into the world pose for a memorial photo following his death. 
The man who 20 years earlier had fought back and willed himself to walk after a devastating car accident and worked hard to get back to his practice only to pour himself into his patients and his community was a beaten man. It's easy to see that now. It wasn't in June. His wife and daughter surrounded him and began brainstorming ideas on what he could do to finish his career doing what he loved most, medicine. Well, he funded his own retirement was only a few short years from uh, that milestone. He still needed to work. He, like many Americans on the heels by the ongoing recession, had to keep working a while longer. But the irony is when Dr. Henderson was ready to stand on his own feet, build on his own success, using his own talent to embark on the last chapter of a spectacular career, it seemed everywhere he turned, Obamacare was in the way. It was a huge stop sign on the bumpy road he, his clinic, and his patients found themselves on. He was heartbroken. Then on June 7th, one week before his clinic closed, Philip took the Mossberg shotgun he bought to scare off a man who had been stalking a family member and turned it on himself. The hard-charging can-do lead from the front master of the universe who fought hammer and tongue for his patients no longer had patience to fight for. Obamacare had defeated him. And that's a, a devastating story, and it's a shame. And you sure that uh, this Obamacare is the right thing for our country? I don't think so. All right, one more segment left in the program, 866-472-5790. The call number, my name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Financial Physician, your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Call America's Money Doctor right now. It's toll-free. 1-866-472-5790. You can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome back to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician, where we get together each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast and uh, 1 p.m. on the West Coast, to talk about money, markets, and politics. And uh, and uh, the show is archived at thefinancialphysician.com as well as voiceamerica.com. Just look me up on the business channel, and you can listen to virtually every show we've ever done uh, is archived there. So if you ever want to go back and, and listen to some past programs, they are there. All right, today we spent a lot of time talking about Obamacare and the shutdown of the government and what it means. And uh, I believe that it's the beginning of I, – I, I've been telling you since midsummer, get out of the stock market, uh, that the chance of a, another financial crisis and a potential uh, market crash was significant. Now, nobody knows 100%. You know, anybody goes out there and says the market's going to crash, uh, doesn't know. But the risks – of a market crash or a 2008-style financial crisis, uh, I believe is extremely high. And with uh, the debates that's going on now, the shutdown of government, uh, the contentious debate over the debt ceiling, uh, the potential for another downgrade of the uh, of, of U.S. debt, uh, all and, and a slowing economy, rising interest rates in the bond market. The talk of Fed taper, which I don't think will happen, uh, all these things uh, are, are, are an impetus to, to have wild markets. Now, you would have thought yesterday uh, with the, the shutdown of the government, stock market would have went down 200 points. The, the bond market would have dropped. Gold would have took off. And just the opposite happened. And if that doesn't tell you how rigged our markets are, uh, nothing else will. <laughs> I mean, really, for gold to get hit $35 when the, the, the world's biggest uh, economy, superpower, shows the entire world our dysfunctionality. Uh, gold should go down and the dollar uh, should go up in that. Uh, a bond should go up and the stock market should go up. And it makes sense. And gold should be smashed. Should, everything else should have been opposite. Gold should have went up. Stock market and bond market should go down. But every market is now rigged uh, uh, by the powers that being. The plunge protection team, the Federal Reserve, what have you. Couldn't have gold flying, the dollar falling, and markets cracking the day after a government shutdown. Couldn't have that happen. So, uh, but today, you know, the market was down hundred and twenty something points. Um, uh, uh, was uh, up hundred and twenty something points uh, yesterday. Uh, down, um, I think it was sixty uh, something points today. Uh, gold rebounded uh, about thirty bucks uh, as it should have. Uh, and um, and the market, I think, will now resume its downtrend. Now, on the website on my blog yesterday, I put down um, a, a picture, a chart of the S and P five hundred, and I state stocks are breaking down, and 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 the stock market is sustaining significant technical damage, uh, and is in danger of a major collapse. And I, and I showed a chart here. We have uh, some technical things: MACD, moving average, convergence, divergence. Something I look at a lot. Just gone negative. Uh, the uptrend line from last November. Uh, from 1350 on the S&P uh, to over 1700 now uh, is in danger of breaking down, meaning that the market's going to break below that uptrend line. Uh, and if that happens, we have further downside. And if you take the fundamentals, all the talk that we've talked about today about uh, what's going on with uh, both uh, Obamacare, 
the government shutdown, total dysfunctionality in Washington, uh, and, um, and now the debt ceiling. So let's talk about the debt ceiling. This is the next issue that even if they do solve the, 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 the budget problem right now and the Obamacare issue and this shutdown of government, we got the debt ceiling issue and a possible default on our debt. Right now, the debt ceiling is $16.7 trillion. We're right at it, and we have been there since May. As I said earlier in the program, the government's been doing um, all kinds of shenanigans to borrow money from uh, the pension, uh, the government pension, and, and doing all kinds of accounting tricks so they can stay in business and push off this debt ceiling issue until October 17th, which is the drop-dead date where the government can't do anything anymore. There's no more pockets to pick at that point, and it, the debt ceiling has to go up. Now – the theatrics surrounding this are going to be spectacular, uh, just as they were um, with the continuing resolution and the government shutdown. But the end result will be the same. After much yelling, screaming, posturing, uh, the U.S. debt ceiling will once again be raised. There's no doubt about it. It has to be. We can't default. But the next question is what will be the new improved debt ceiling? I mean, $16.7 trillion, uh, that was hit back in May. Uh, and as I said earlier, we've had deficits uh, every month since then. Uh, I haven't calculated them, but I believe they're somewhere in a neighborhood of three hundred billion to five hundred billion. So the day that the debt ceiling is raised, that'll be tacked on immediately. So how much do we have to raise it so we're not in this situation again uh, in a couple of months? Well, um, according to the bipartisan policy center, whatever that is, the minimum required permitted debt at December two thousand fourteen. Uh, will be uh, a, a, an increase of about 1.1 trillion, or 17.8 trillion in total, or 105 percent of GDP, assuming uh, current growth rates. So, uh, if they add 1.1 trillion, and almost half of it's going to be eaten up immediately, uh, I think we're going to run out of uh, debt ceiling room prior. Uh, to December uh, 2014, and we'll have the same battle over and over again. And the debt ceiling is a joke. I have a ceiling in the room in my studio right here. That ceiling hasn't changed its height, nor will it change its height, ever. But the debt ceiling, that's another matter. That's changed its height multiple times over the years and almost every year now. And we got this fight that goes on every time. So the markets itself, you know, has to sustain not only the, the, the shutdown of government and who knows how long that's going to last. The only way this shutdown stops is if the, the Republicans totally succumb. Because the Democrats won't even talk to them. Obama's playing golf. It's like, it's my way or the highway as far as they're concerned. They don't want anything but a clean continuing resolution, period. And don't even talk to us otherwise. And politically, it's working out for them because between the media, uh, the president, everybody going out there blaming those, uh, those terrible anarchist terrorist Republicans, uh, there's no reason for Democrats to do anything. And the Republicans will have to fall on their knives again. They'll be branded as the ones who closed the government down, which is not helpful for the 2014 elections. Let Obamacare go into effect. Let people see what it's really about. Then we'll see another 2010 landslide for the Republicans. But again, they don't know what they're doing down there. I mean, it, it, uh, there's just as much fight between the Republicans internally, the Tea Party and the establishment Republicans, as there is the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. 
So, I mean, we got a lot of things going on uh, that are going to affect these markets in the weeks to come. And they're not going to be positive, believe me. It's not going to be a rosy ending to all of this. And if you remember, in August 2011, after a debt ceiling fight, and uh, and ultimately uh, uh, a, a, a solution, uh, if you want to call it that, S&P lowered our AAA rating because they knew that politically there is really no will to cut spending and to deal with the country's debt. So by this time next year, we'll be at almost $18 trillion in debt. The next year, it'll be 20 And what happens when interest rates rise? And they are starting to rise in the bond market already. You get $20 trillion in debt, every 1% increase in interest is $200 billion that comes out of the budget that's already in deficit. So it's not a nice picture here, folks. Obamacare, a disaster. The government shut down. We got the, the debt ceiling, and we got debt out of control. All right, we're out of time here. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Please join me next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management 